Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villarosa, OVS. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic non-stick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. The only thing that I want stolen is my heart. (laughs) An apple a day keeps the doctor away. And a carrot a day gets you voted out for some celebrity big brother because you're a fucking loser. (laughs) I was like, what was so chaotic? It was so chaotic. I can't. I am so into this already, you guys. It's Andy's Girls. Guess what? Um, a special guest we'll introduce in a second because people won't know who you are by your voice, even though you co-created the podcast. Um, it's a special, um, uh, special episode. It's Galentine's Day today, so happy Galentine's Day, writer, producer, co-host of the podcast. You might know her from, and of course, OG of the AG, Damian Bellino. Welcome to these girls thank you so much thanks for having me what a time to be alive what a time Mm. to see teddy mellencamp i was so disappointed to see she was going to be on celebrity big brother after all of the rumors that it was going to be nini or it was going to (laughs) be erica jane or lisa rinna and then it was teddy and i was like oh and then she got voted out first and i said well you know what it was actually worth watching this episode to watch another room of people be like no And she said, apparently, I don't know this because she has me blocked on Instagram since I asked her about carrots. I was like, if it's for a special event, can I have a third of one? And then she immediately blocked me as did All In. I went all out, apparently. I have so many questions about this. So did you watch the entirety of, or was it just literally one episode and she was voted off? Um, I did watch 
I have been watching it regularly. I've never watched a full season, but I'm invested apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I think she was on maybe, I don't know, because they like filmed maybe for a week. So she was mm-hmm. maybe on for two episodes, I think. It was okay. like an hour long episode where they all moved in. And then like the next episode, I think she got voted out. It was awesome. It was so quick. And you know what? Here's the thing. I don't watch Big Brother, but I fucking die for Survivor. Same, and on same. Survivor, you know this, on mm-hmm. Survivor, you can be the biggest threat and get voted off first. Like that Absolutely. is a literal thing. If you are a big threat, they want to call you from the group first, even if you don't, you know, you're like huge and could win at physical comp. They they do not give a shit. They want you gone. I don't know anything about Big Brother, but my thinking is that she wasn't necessarily eliminated because she was the biggest threat, even though that's what she's telling all the like press outlet. Wait, no, is, is that what she's really saying? A hundred percent. I saw oh. a video of her. I think that it's you know, and I don't know. I, I don't know uh Big Brother well enough to really speak to it. Like I know Survivor and I but I think it's similar. It's like it's strategy, there are also challenges, but it's also a social mm-hmm. game. I think that like she was probably just a victim of people not really like knowing anybody yet. And also some people knew people. So like she was maybe I think aligned with like in a quick alliance with like Todrick Hall, Carson hmm. Cressley, and Cynthia Bailey, hmm. and maybe and maybe another person. But there was another alliance that had more people, and like Todrick was like flip flopping, and so was Shayna Mokler. Who do you know who that is? She's from Rhode Island. She's a Rhode Island native. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. I she was married her. to Travis Barker, and then she was on Hollywood X's. That's how I know her. Um, but she like flip flopped on Teddy, and I was into it because she said her and and Teddy was like, "I'm really sad that Shayna voted me out," and I was like, "I'm so glad Shayna voted you out because you're off the show." Um, I don't know. Like, it's so interesting. I don't have this reaction to like any other housewife. She might be like, you know how Danielle Staub like is like the is like your absolute trigger. like My trigger. yeah she's like My a trigger. trigger. I feel like that's for Teddy. Like something about her. It's like somehow she project. She like puts on this front of something that I'm like. It's so insincere. She acts like she's above it. Like, she doesn't want to be, like, known for being Jadon Mellencamp's daughter, and she's not, like, doesn't want to be an actress, and it's like, you literally want to be an actress and, are, and, are, and like, are famous because you're John Mellencamp's daughter. I don't know. I can't stand her. We don't have to talk about her at all. No, I don't mean to, like, insult the person I'm just going to reference, which tells you something about <laughs> this comparison, but, like, she gives off big Meghan McCain energy of, like, you should, except Meghan McCain, like, had a career before going on the view but there's something there's almost like a shade of brattiness of like there's like a I hate to use this against or in describing women because it's so gendered but like a whininess or something that's present of like I don't deserve to ever feel uncomfortable and it drives me a little bit insane like the Teddy she's constantly it's like an odd there's something there where she's like a deer in headlights, except most people like deer. You know, like something is going on there. I I under I I get that, but I feel like in terms of like a Meghan McCain, at least she has a point of view. I don't have to mm-hmm. like it. I find what point. I find what point. what I find most frustrating about Teddy and what I found frustrating about her own housewives is that it was very clear all of a sudden, or quickly at rather, that she just wanted to be aligned with people that she thought were cool and pretty. And and so oh, therefore God. That's what I like. You know what I mean? Like she wanted I'm to be. Sure, with the, you're right. She wanted I'm to be with sure the cool girls, right. and I yeah. think lots of housewives join. I don't think all, 
I think lots join and want to be aligned with the people that they see as high status on the show. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you join Beverly Hills, it's a crystal, I think also was victim of that at times, but had a point of view. She was not afraid to have conflict with Sutton. She was not afraid to like rock the boat and speak her mind. And I feel like that is what Teddy never did. Teddy never broke out of like once she got aligned and then she, I guess she broke out of like Lisa Vanderpump but like they also weren't friends she was just again trying to align herself with the high she was just oh which is why and take take go on this journey with me where this like really like hard left turn it's like I know that some people find Noella really exhausting and I don't dis- and I do not disagree that she's exhausting because I realized that she's like doing the most like she made Mexico like annoying the minute she came into town mm-hmm. but She's not trying hard to align herself with the high status housewife. Like, I think she came on and I don't, to me, it's not like when, you know, like when someone joins and like Teresa or Nini would think that that woman was coming for them because they were Queen B. I don't feel like Noella like joined OC and was like, I'm gunning for Heather Dubrow. I just feel like she joined and she was like, I'm going to like make a splash and I'm not going to go with the flow and I think to me even if I think it's annoying I am appreciative of it for television because she's making choices that are not like it's not fun to watch everyone get along and it's also not fun to watch one person dictate the story which is what happens so many times when when someone joins and they just defer to the Kyle or the Lisa Vanderpump or the Nini or the Teresa it's not super fun to be like oh okay Heather Dubrow is just like she's back and everyone loves her and Shannon's like a sad sap it's like Noella's like yeah, I think you're fake, Heather. And Shannon, you're a queen goddess. Your daughters are your soulmates. And I'm like, what's happening? I'm into it. <laughs> are you liking Orange County? Is I'm it, just like, are enjoy- you enjoying it? I, you I think look, the, you have a glow right now. I think you, have, la- you have a little bit of a glow. <laughs> I think the last time I was here, we talked about this. And I think OC and um, OC and Miami are enjoyable because it's like there's stakes and it's fun and there's drama. But also it doesn't feel like this person is a, has scammed people or this person mm-hmm. is like hiding assets or this person's running a cult. Like it feels like there are stakes, but it's like Noella ordered an LGBT game for a teenager. And then Heather's like, this was pornography. And it's like Heather's do is being uh, hyperbolic and but also is correct. And basically, but also Noella is is also like the, the stakes are real, but it's stupid, you know. And I'm appreciative of that. Can I ask what your thoughts were on Noella saying that Heather was using straight privilege at that dinner? Uh, I think she was grasping at an, uh, I think she was really drunk and grasping Mm -hmm. at a, uh, any sort of defense that she had. Mm -hmm. And I think when she, she, the way she sort of was like, she was slurring and she was like, don't use your straight privilege. I'm a bisexual, biracial. And I was like, I don't know what you're go- where you're going with this. Like, I'm on your side, essentially. Like, for TV's sake, I'm on your side. I want to support mm-hmm. you. But also, like, the argument doesn't have any... And then I was into Heather's response because she was, emo- like, she was, I think, moved. And I know Heather's a good actress, but she was moved. And she was like, do not say that. I have gay kids and right. I am not using my straight privilege. And I felt like she was being authentic. Um, Absolutely agree on the authenticity point. And I did find it kind of interesting, like... I personally thought the use of the word pornography was like, uh, I thought maybe if you had said like sexually explicit instead of pornography, which would have been more appropriate. 
But I did get a kick out of the fact that Noella was like gunning hard, very defensive, which I actually understand if you take into account she just thought it was like a word. I've never played words with friends, whatever it's called, but like she just thought it was like a chill game, whatever, yada, yada. And then the second that Heather started reading examples of the cards, yes. she was like, oh, my God, that's so inappropriate. I'm so sorry. And honestly, like to go that quick and realize that you had made an error. I know that sounds incredibly simplistic, but it's actually not in the world of Housewives. I appreciated that Noella was like, wow, I wish I had kind of known that. I, I fucked up. Like I, yes. I appreciated that moment. But it took the it took. Like the argument about like straight privilege came after mm-hmm. that part though, right? Right, right, like, right. It was like she brought it back to the like straight privilege and I'm bisexual after that she had basically said like, oh my God, I'm mortified. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And then it was like she doubled down. It felt like on her argument. And that's when I was like, okay, you're losing me a little bit. Like you're trying to continue the argument rather than just being like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I certainly didn't mean it like that. Um, But you know, again, I am grateful for Noella's presence this season because if she wasn't in the equation, I think we would have, I don't know, I guess we would have a much different season because I bet Shannon would be much more in the hot seat, mm. probably still. Like, I feel like Shannon and Heather will probably still be, I don't know, butting heads because Dr. Jen isn't doing anything. And I love Gina. I love Gina and Emily, but I feel mm-hmm. like they are kind of good time Charlies this season. I feel like they're always kind of good time Charlies. Mm-hmm. Which we need. I mean, yeah, we, you need all kinds. We need, yeah. Um. You know, I do have to ask, what do you think the future holds for Noella? Is she Bronwyn-ing herself into a little bit of a corner, like a little bit of an island by herself? Or how do you think this is going to work for her, you know, for the reunion and beyond? I think that I think that she's probably going to have an interest. I think it's interesting because I think sometimes people come on their second season and decide to be very performative. So mm-hmm. I think it'll be interesting, like, what kind of feedback she gets from producers and the team when she comes back for another season. I don't think she'll be fired because I think like love to hate her or love her on the show. She's, she's made a, she's made herself a presence. And Mm -hmm. I also think that we haven't like, we've only like really got the tip of the iceberg with her divorce because new stuff is kind of coming out, but hasn't Mm -hmm. even come out. We have yet to meet her children. She's also, um, my understanding is that she, like her father, I think is dead, but he was like a black newscaster in, o- in like in California, I think, I think California. Mm. So like, I just feel like there's a lot more to her story that we haven't even seen or talked about yet. That makes her interesting. Like you haven't seen her as a mom. We haven't talked, like she hasn't got to talk about her parents really. So I feel like there's other stuff to come out about her that makes her interesting and different in OC. Um, also like. Yeah, so I don't think she'll be one and done. I don't know that she has, like, the longevity forever because I think that whenever you're, like, such a performative housewife, there's always the risk that you're, like, you know, mm-hmm. people get people get exhausted after a while, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how this reunion goes, and certainly next season when it comes to the parenting aspect, though – because her divorce is like acrimonious isn't a big enough word, strong enough word to use. It would appear to me that there's literally no way those kids will ever be on Housewives. Her husband will not allow it. Like there's no it's going to be a Brandy Bethany situation. I assume he's not going to be like, keep doing this thing, even though I'm saying in the press that you're like slandering me on national television. But let the kids appear. I haven't been following the divorce probably enough like 
off the show. So I guess I don't really know to speak to that. I guess I always just think like if Brooklyn can now be shown on Atlanta mm. and Mark Daly like came around, then hopefully. But yeah, but I mean, this is also a lawyer who is in, an, you know, so I'm sure he knows how to be as, you know, litigious as mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of a wait and see, but I do have to say that I'm highly enjoying Orange County for what it is. It does to me feel like a breath of fresh air, like no problems, entertaining. I don't feel bad after. I don't feel bad because of the cast involved. I'm really enjoying Gene and Emily. I'm here for the ride. I'm excited to be watching Orange County again, let alone enjoying it. You know, it feels somewhat like a miracle. Totally. Can I ask you a question? sort of unrelated to all of this and then I really do need to um deep dive with you about a new jersey the show that's (laughs) on my mind but um you know there's been a conversation around uh, online about New York and a lot of people feel hopeless about the future of New York and I for whatever reason late last night was thinking about how I would rank my favorite franchises and New York was usually like right at the top, number one, or like Potomac, right around there. But I think within the realm of the classics, I would put New York as my number one. And I think about what Orange County has done this year, but really doing a turnaround, a refresh. I think it's working out really well. What do you envision happening with New York, number one? And number two, taking into account how gross last season was, where does New York rank for you? as far as, you know, overall franchises? I think New York ranks high for me. I would probably, like, of all time, like, are we just talking sort of, like, of the classic before, like, sort of pre-Potomac, Dallas, Salt Lake City, uh, Miami times? I mean, in the sense that, like, it's, it to me, it's unlikely that Dallas would ever be considered <laughs> in anybody's top. And, like, honestly, sort of similar with Miami from the perspective of, like, holistically the franchise not not season specific I mean for me Atlanta and Potomac are probably my top two but that isn't always because Atlanta has been uneven I would say since Mm -hmm. I don't know since basically since Phaedra left for better Mm -hmm. or worse like I don't mean that in like she is the reason just like the show has been uneven um and Beverly Hills in New York like those are my top four and I would say that they fluctuate like they sort of like are a carousel of what like sometimes I watch Beverly Hills and I'm like this is so bad but I'm like addicted to like being mad at Lisa Rinna basically for mm-hmm. one like for three seasons <laughs> for three months of a year I'm like fire her and then the next season I'm like I love her <laughs> so like there's like like I don't have those passionate of feelings about um like New Jersey or OC like I can get like I'm invested but it doesn't I don't feel like the way like where I'm like mad about Lisa Rinna a lot so I don't know mm-hmm. like maybe Beverly Hills even ranks higher than New York I, I was not um like a super super housewives fan in those early seasons like I was a casual watcher so sometimes I think I should go back and do a rewatch because maybe it would make me appreciate it as like a whole more um, because I hate like I hate Ramona so much and I'm like t- sad with some of the other ladies stories that have come mm-hmm. in uh, that have like feel like they've exhausted themselves. So I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question where it, ran- it ranks high. I would say in my top four, um, but I'm not sure necessarily placement there. Um what I think needs to happen, I don't know. I've thought about this a lot, and every once in a while, I would love for you to send me the stories you've been reading uh, on Instagram or on blogs or whatever the streets <laughs> are saying, because I always am like, I'm like really in- invested in casting news, and I always like to read about like who's rumored to be filming or who they're looking at. 
Um, I, I think that I think what OC did successfully was like they had some newbies, and I'm and I, by that I mean Gina and Emily, who they kept because they were working or working well enough, and they operated a place that like existed, and then they kept one like you know as you would say like a spiritual OG, like they kept Shannon who had who had tenure and had history with someone they were bringing back, and then they brought in some new people. The problem with New York is that they've, like, never done... Like, OC is is sort of famous for having had so many housewives. Like, they've had so many women over the course of those seasons. Like, they like and New York has had so many long-running OGs because it's, like, uh, Ramona's been on forever. Luann ha- was demoted one season but has been on it for every season. And then Sonia's been on since, what, like, season three? So mm-hmm. they've been on for so long that the idea of ke- only keeping one of them feels weird to me unless okay and i'm and i'm working this out as i'm thinking about it if they're following the model of um oc they could keep luann or maybe keep luann luann as a friend or keep sonia or sonia as a friend fire ramona and fire the other one of those three and then they could bring back like jill or jill and dorinda and that would be like the that would be like the people that the viewers know and then they can decide whether they're going to keep Leah and or Ebony together, one, both, neither, and then bring in new people to, like, fill in that. Um, to me, that's a that's a version. I would watch Jill returning to New York with Dorinda and Luann in a heartbeat with Leah and Ebony and, like, a couple other new people. Or Dorinda and Jill and Sonia and then, like, Tinsley and I don't know, new people, you know, like I'm interested in new people, um, bring in Jules who was, and Dorinda. And then like Jules is a way to get more younger women. in. like, I feel like they need a bridge to bring in younger people, which is what Gina and Emily provide on OC because they're like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years younger than, I don't know. I don't know age, but they're younger than, um, Mm -hmm. Shannon. I feel like that's the problem with New York. It's like Leah and Ebony don't feel like they're friends with, those women and they started to feel like it wasn't fun because it was like watching people like meet on camera and then have to have like deep real conversations. And then it was like, we lost all the fun, but also the real conversations weren't earned because none of these people had history. And like, to me, Ramona is exhausting and Sonia's storyline, I think has run its course, even though I find her to be great comic relief. I just think that it's not fun. It's sad. I feel like she shouldn't be. I feel like she seems like she lives a better life when she's actually not filming. Um, so anyway, so that's to me, it would be like a version where we lose some people, bring some people back and then and then they get a bunch of fresh faces. Like, I just think that the show also needs whether they bring Ebony back or bring Ebony and Bershawn back or bring just Bershawn back or just Ebony back or bring all new women of color back in. Like they also need to like not put a lone person of color in a cast that is known for being problematic. Like, either fire those fucking people or take them to task and don't let one person have to Tiffany Moon themselves. It's, like, not a fair position. Mm. And I think that they've learned that lesson, I think, based on what happened on New York and Dallas. I feel like they're trying better, I think. I don't know. Although, I don't know, Noelle is the only person of color on OC, so maybe not. It is. It's one of those things where it's like I've heard stuff, but then I feel like the sources, even though it's like separate people, there's, I, I have a fairly good idea of who the original source is. And I I cannot make heads or tails of both what I want to happen and also what I think is going to happen. I, the only thing it's like so 
I don't, I, I, I'm without, I've heard so many different things Spill from people. It. No, I, obviously offline, but <laughs> I feel like that I was just uh, <laughs> gutturally, no, I cannot. But um, I just don't know what to say about it. I don't believe anything, number one, because often it's like a power play, just even in the idea of like also, having like, I information. Could write, yeah, yeah also, I could write I, anything I, and throw it on Reddit and call it I a could day. Write an email to Doom, I could write an email to Dumois that was like, Poop at gmail.com says Ramon <laughs> is the only returning housewife and they're bringing back Cindy Barshop. Like, and then it would get posted and people would either take it and believe it or not, you know? But like, that's where I feel like I read those rumors. And even though I also take them with a grain of salt, I also am like, I read the, all of those things that were like, there was a thing that said Dorinda and Jill were like in talks. And I was like, I believe that there, a conversation maybe happened, but it's like seeing if Jill's interested does not mean that she's signing a contract. Cause like, you know, or like asking Tinsley if she'd come back. And her saying yes, and then them saying, like, actually, it doesn't make sense with the other people. That happens, but I, it doesn't mean that anything's really moving. You know, it just means that literally a PA was told to, like, check the, all the former housewives and see if who would come back of all of them. So Kelly Clore and Ben Simone, like, literally could have maybe gotten a phone call. And that doesn't mean anyone wants her to come back. It just means, like, they're like, who can we get come, come back? Who would be interested? I'm sure they didn't call Cindy. And you know that Jill... <laughs> You know that Jill moved into Ramona's apartment, right? Her apartment building, not literal apartment. I listened to some podcast where that, or maybe read an article where someone said that she now is living in, I, I thought it was Lu Luann's, but okay. She's living in somebody's building. So she's living in Ramona's current. I think it's Ramona's on the upper E. Yeah. Fascinating. I don't, I, I'm interested to see how they're going to handle Ramona. It just feels like maybe they're trying to hope enough time passes that they can keep her on. Mm-hmm. I Doesn't totally could it? see that. I could totally, that's 100%, 100% what's happening. It just is like, I just think it's such a bad look, but I also just feel like they don't want to just only do fan, like, you know what I think? They don't want to let fans think that they dictate everything. And they also know that, like, to my point earlier about Noella, like, you need people on that you, that sometimes people hate because they, like, push story. And also because you need people that won't just say, like, okay, Dorinda's back and we love her and she got the biggest paycheck and she's number one. But that does like Ramona is not going to just do what Dorinda wants. And we need somebody like that because Leah and Ebony might be like, OK, Dorinda's back and she's cool. And we know that she's number one. Let's play ball with her. Where Ramona's going to be like, this is fucking bullshit. I'm the OG. Fuck this. And like <laughs> and like you need that. So I understand from a production angle. It's just like she's such a despicable person and she's just done so many despicable things. So it's like I um, but I don't know. I will not be surprised if she comes back. I absolutely agree with you there. And I also think the difficulty with Dorinda, I guess it's like a little bit of a test case, even though it wasn't intended in that way to see what happens with this spinoff also, because Jill will be there as, as well. But the difficulty with Dorinda is like knowing what she has said in interviews since she said sort of the same thing, had a similar strategy that we saw during her last reunion I think Dorinda was surprised that she was put on pause, as the network said, and also unwilling to account for what they seemingly wanted her to do in order to come back, which was like dry out and or figure out what's going on there because it was very dark and very mean and often kicked off by a lot of alcohol but she's still mean, even when she's not drinking. 
but I don't mm-hmm. think she if you like watch the reunion she's so defensive and has remained so since and it's like how do you bring her back if she hasn't learned from that what's what in what position will she be in couldn't you argue that she would be like even angrier coming back with the knowledge in her back pocket that she had been temporarily suspended essentially yeah I think it's interesting I to, to you know I think that that's all those are all great points but I also think that the spinoff was probably like them seeing how mm-hmm. she was to work with because mm-hmm. I wonder what I feel like my, my my guess is she was actually probably always a pleasure to work with that's my guess but I feel like it was probably to see like how she is to work with these women in this current cast of All Stars or whatever, and then to see what the what the like um the her Q rating would be post because I feel mm. like she probably scored super low on like audience ratings um mm. after her last season and they were like and they were hoping that she would apologize at that reunion and own what she because like, Tinsley came and Tinsley was like. Tinsley in name and presence was like a great housewife edition in New York. But to me, like never did anything for the show other than like mm. literally her presence as like a former like society girl. Right. But that last reunion that she had was like amazing. Like I kind of don't want her to ever come back because she like came and she was like amazing. And then she left and she had such a great showing. And like Dorinda couldn't even meet her in the middle. Like she just wouldn't couldn't see anything. And I think that they hoped that re- Dorinda would give herself her own redemption and she didn't. And I think that, yeah, she was probably like, they were probably like, you scored super low. Like nobody, like you were the fan favorite coming into the season and people don't like you. And, and so, yeah, you're getting put on pause. I, I wonder what the plan, like, I'm sure that they promised the women from this new all-star season, nothing. Like I'm sure it was told like, this is not an invitation back to housewives, blah, 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 because they know those are all thirst buckets. But I think internal, <laughs> internally, though, I think there had to be some version of like, like Andy's now doing a press and talking about Phaedra. He wants Phaedra to come back. So like, to me, it was like a test to say like, is Phaedra still like, whatever, like, has she like, uh, what is, you know, like, has she repented for what she did? You know, like, is she good on the show? Is Brandy like a liability or was she good? Like they put a ton of liabilities and thirst buckets in a, in a house together. So I wonder what, like, if we'll see any of these women creep into the franchises here on out, you know? Like, I feel like Phaedra potentially could, depending on what the season of Atlanta goes. And, like, seems like uh, Jill and Dorinda potentially could in New York, whether it's this season or, or future. You've worked in TV production, reality TV, for a long time, illustrious career. And I just kind of wonder, when it comes to, like, what we want to happen what Andy seemingly wanted to happen at the reunion, what I'm sure production was hoping, pushing to happen with Dorinda was a sign of um, repentance, as you said, regarding Phaedra. It was like a sign that she acknowledged that she had misbehaved, something was going on so that they could move forward and leave this darkish chapter behind. My question to you is, understanding that that was the hope, What's the prep for Dorinda? Do you think anybody is sitting her? This is like a maybe a dumb question, but I, I I do not know this. Like, do you think someone sat down Dorinda, like her story producer, whoever it is, and was like, listen, you know, your last season was a shit show. Here's the kind of Dorinda that we would like to see or, you know, something to work on. Blah, blah, blah. Or do they just say three, two, one, go? 
and and find out what happens how did how do you think that works i mean you know i think every show is different obviously and also like i don't necessarily have you know i only have my experience to to go on but i think that they're probably are just checking in with everyone and saying like where are you in your life who are you friends with in new york society where are you with jill where are you with tinsley where are you with uh whomever else is maybe coming back or not coming back probably just throwing a lot out there and then like how is your sobriety? Are you dating? How's Hannah? And I think they're probably just seeing like how well she seems. And mm. and like, do you want to be back? Are you interested in being on TV? Like, what do you have going on that you would show us? And I'm sure that I'm sure that she's very close with lots of people on production who mm-hmm. because I just feel like you just because you're talking to them constantly. And I'm sure that someone is saying to her, you know, like it was a rough ride towards the end there, like they're like the network's not going to go for that you know because i think that also like production companies are different from the network so production company could say like love brandy which i feel like they must because she came back on on beverly hills so many times they must love her like she must be great to work with and she does exactly what they want i feel like bravo i feel like was like we don't like brandy like she's like cheapens the brand Mm. she's like whatever like stop bringing her around and you know, and, and it could be the other or it could be the other way where someone could say, like, we love like the network could say, like, we love Dorinda and Shed could be like, OK, she's <laughs> a lot to work with, you know, like um, and the, I don't have any. This is me just all speculating. Right, right, but, right, right, right. But um, I think that someone for sure has been in. I think that someone was probably in Dorinda's ear before that reunion being like, you know, it's probably not a bad idea to hear Tinsley out. But, you know, like that's. That this is why these women get cast because they have strong opinions because they don't want to just follow, you know, the leader. And I think the best housewives have a um, are just authentic and are like want to speak. And like you can't make this stuff up like I've you know, you've meet too many you meet reality people and you think like, oh, like it's it's so confusing because it's like they're you know, they're just exactly how they are on TV. (laughs) So it's like and it's like your eyes cross sometimes. But then, you know, like then you also see them like they get sometimes they some people some of them get it and you're like watch them turn it up and you're like, oh, okay, so you do get it. But then you try to like talk to them about real things outside of the cameras filming and you're like, oh, do you get it? So I I just think that Dorinda probably knew that she needed to apologize to make it better, but she couldn't because she didn't believe it. So I don't know. I don't know. This is a long rant. I don't know. I hope that I hope that she's good. I would love for her to come back. I miss her. I feel like her presence is so missed. And also she was just such a one of a kind New York because she was mm-hmm. like, um, I don't know. I don't even know if she's Italian, but she just has like uh She has to be. She has to be. Like the the lack or of Irish. Sort of, the lack of like Jewish and Italian representation in like New York City. It's like why Jill and Dorinda are so great <laughs> is because like they represent like a New York to me that I'm like, yeah. Like I get it. It's like mama bear, matriarchs, but also like super passionate, like, you know, but also good time girls. Like I'm into both of them coming back. And I would love for Jill to come back with Dorinda because we've never seen that pairing. And also like Dorinda would probably be like, stop fucking acting i mean when it comes to when it comes to like the jewish italian energy as an italian jew it's just like my absolute sweet spot and it just reminds me like one of the many reasons that i fell in love with housewives when you think about you know what got you here who drew you in i do think my answer quite honestly as i think of the history of me watching this show would be jill zarin there was something comforting 
and enticing about watching a woman say repeatedly over and over again that she's like a big deal in society and here's how society works and I run in a fabulous circle of people and also I am extraordinarily Jewish like I just her energy and like there's so much about her that I understood and found comfortable and also just enticing when it comes to the like society glitz of it all even though it was like a little different certainly than the Tinsley Tinsley level of stuff but I do miss her I and I miss that energy it is New York like hello every I mean I always think that like you know if you're Italian that means you're a little bit Jewish and if you're Jewish that means you're a little bit I think there's such a connection there and how we express ourselves I miss it I do also miss that the vibe. two of them back with like Luann being like the straight woman to them would be Mm. so fun and like yeah I would be into it um I would be very I'm very here for it I wonder what Jill and Sonia I wonder how they would get along I feel like my why do my gut says not well I think Jill would be like stop the shit you've been doing the same shit close (laughs) your legs and stop drinking and being sloppy and Mm -hmm. I like I I think that's kind of what Sonia needs I mean she has that I guess but I think the thing with Again, the thing with this is why Heather Dubrow, this bringing Heather, and I know that some people are not fans. Brian Moylan always says that he's not a fan of Housewives returning. I'm the opposite. Like, mm. I love yeah, the world same, feeling same. like a, like, I love it feeling like a Marvel, it's my Marvel cinematic universe. It's like yeah. a huge world where characters come back. Like, I'm not, I love a big party where suddenly you're like, there's, I just heard that Deshaun Snow showed up at like an Atlanta party and I was like, mm-hmm. amazing. I don't care if she doesn't even talk. I want to see Lisa Wu and Deshaun Snow at the party because it makes me believe the history of these women being friends. That way, in case one day they do come back, it doesn't make you feel like, oh, they haven't been around. It's like, oh, no, there's a flashback to them at that party. And so Heather Dubrow coming back on OC works because there's, like, like burned-in history. And that's why if you bring Jill back or Dorinda or both, they have burned-in history, not with just Luann, but also with Ramona and Sonia. And then also, like, Kelly and Bethany and Cindy, like, all of the women who've come and gone, so, gone since then. So there's just, like, it, like, just builds out the world. And that is really nice to me. That makes what's what makes these shows the best. This will never happen. And I know it won't happen. And I have made peace with that. Except I absolutely have not made peace with it. And I need it to happen. This is, like, the number one thing I need to happen in the world of Housewives. It's never going to happen. Let me just say that eight more times. But I really need Bethany and Jill to be on the same season, even if Jill's like a friend of, but not this bullshit cameoing at a Christmas tree thing. And then we see her face and then nothing else or like her drinking Pepsi talking about, you know, I miss this stuff when like Lou and Tom or um, happily ever after. Like, I want to see them back. I think Bethany at a certain point will need to come back for the purposes of nothing else is really working as well as her being on Housewives when it comes to monetizing and keeping her other ventures highly successful. I would love to see it. I don't think it will, but I would fucking love to see it. My God, we deserve it. We've been through so much. I think the stakes were really high when Jill, when Bobby died. And I feel mm-hmm. like if it didn't happen following that. We're four fucked. Yeah. And probably after not. Dennis died and then it was Bobby passed away and then Dennis passed away. And it was like, these two women will understand each other as essentially widows. Bethany wasn't married to Dennis, but I mean, they were close. What Tim, what that told me. And I don't know, like, I don't know that Jill is more, um, genuine like in this scenario but to me it reads as more genuine because i feel like she's like i love this person that we're my friend 
I feel like to me it just shows me that their friendship for Bethany was like a show friendship. And like once it was broken on the show and like the show wasn't like part like when Bethany didn't need Jill as part of the show, then it was like, okay, like it's fine. Like I can go and pay my respects and I'll do it on camera, but like I don't need her to be I don't I'm not gonna like say I'm gonna film with her again and like give her a job and like be on like I don't need a, to build a friendship again with this person on camera. And I think I, I guess I res, I don't know if I respect it. I think it's annoying, but I think that is what it is. Like I don't I don't foresee it happening. And if it does, I just don't know that Housewives has that that many more seasons before Jill's back on the show and Bethany comes back to it. But maybe mm-hmm. I mean who knows? Weirder things have happened. I mean Danielle Staub came back to the show, and we both when we first started Andy Girl Andy's Girls we said that would never happen. And never now I'm like uh, now I'm like once that happened I was like. Oh, for sure Jill will come back one day and for sure Phaedra will come back one day because those were the two people that I was convinced would never come back as well. And now I'm like, everyone will come back. If Danielle came back, even if it was as a friend of for two seasons, like anybody can come back. Um, I, I do just have to say just for the record, for the public record, that I do not think that it was a show friendship. I think that they became friends because of the show and then developed a very, very close friendship, almost, I would argue, maybe too close. And then when tension started to happen about who was getting more attention from the show, Jill attempted to use the show to harm her former friend. So like this show is a huge was a huge part of their friendship, but I I think it was about more than that and not to compare because I I don't know that it's worthy of comparison, but like a sort of similar trajectory with Bethany and Carol where they became friends because of the show and then developed a really close genuine personal friendship and then you know the show became sort of a weapon between them, you know, when they fell out. Yeah, yeah. I guess the, I guess the difference is it's not like a Stephanie and Brandy from Dallas. True. Where like you have these best friends at, who prior to the show and they filmed together. And then I would just think like if my former best friend. I don't know. I would think that if there was like real a real friendship that I wanted to, but maybe they don't want to repair it. Like, you know, breakups are breakups, too. I get it. I don't know. I'm thinking yeah. about my former best friend. And if we were going to film a reality show, would I want to go back and document it and I don't know that I would want to I might be like I think the friendship is over I 100% would not appear on a reality tv show with a former friend there would be no way absolutely no way in hell would I do that are you kidding I only had like one very friend breakup in my whole life in a, a real friend breakup and I just don't think that I would want to deal with that on camera it was like two it was a real breakup you know I have had several and I've always been the dumper I don't know what that says, but like I mean, a I very, very close friend. Like, yeah. Well, because it's it was in every case I was trying to institute boundaries and the person was like, I do not like that you were doing this. And I was like, OK, well, I don't I don't <laughs> I'm growing as a person and I don't know. How to, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you here. Listen. Speaking of growth as a person. And, you know, some left and right turns some feelings, some energy. Gia, Judice, 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 had a big role on this mm-hmm. week's Jersey. I know that you have expressed <laughs> you had a lot to say about Gia, some thoughts. And I just kind of wanted to check in with you. And, you know, Damien Bellino, how are we thinking? What are we feeling? I don't even know that I have, like, so many things to say. I just had such a reaction to it. And I... I listened to what you were saying in the last episode of Andy's Girls, and I 
I don't know that I agree that I thought that she showed a lot of like emotional intelligence. I intelligence. think emotional intelligence. Okay. I thought you were emotion- emotional maturity. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. Same thing. But like to me, like her emotional, in- her emotional intelligence, like, okay. Do you know what I mean? I'm giving eyes. I I I don't look at it as a, as an indicator of emotional intelligence, but when I that just happens to be my opinion. I, I think of it more through emotional mature. But I I'm here for you. I'm here for it. This is your this is your feeling, and you have the right to it. You have the right. To I it. thought think that she. I mean, I and I don't I don't think that she was like. I just think she seemed very young, and I recognize that she is mm. 21 or 20, 21. I don't know how old she was when it was filming. Or maybe she's 21 there, then some, 22 some, now. Uh, anyway, yeah, she's same young. Same difference. She's young, yeah. and that is still young. Um, I will say the thing that I feel like. It's hard because she's defending the position of her father and also her siblings. But it also is like wrapped up in this like idea of respect. Like she feels like Joe is disrespecting her father. And to me, that's where like I felt like it was really picking because I felt like she is like having this reality TV moment with her uncle who she's choosing to call Joe, which to me is already a sign of disrespect. Like on camera, she's like, Joe, I haven't seen you for six months. And she's like needling him about respect, but then like sort of purpose, like she's, she's intentionally disrespecting him by calling him Joe. Um, And she was on Watch What Happens Live, I think the week prior to this episode. Mm -hmm. And Andy played this game with her and it was like, can you defend your mom in this situation? And she basically defended Teresa in every situation, but two. One was when Teresa helped like encourage Danielle to pull Margaret's hair. Margaret's hair. And I'm trying to think what the other time was. I think the Evan rumor. But every other room, every other moment she could defend her mother's behavior, including pushing Andy at the reunion, flipping the table (laughs) on Danielle, um, calling, you know, Kim D a piece of shit whore, whatever she called her, the posh. And so when I watched that and then I saw the episode, I was like, I I think and this is this is my like expectation and it's like Gia is not Brianna but like what I wish is that Gia could have had a sense of humor and been like no I can't defend it but I love you mom no I can't defend it but I love you mom and I watched this woman young woman be like yeah I would have pushed you too Andy that's how I get when I'm really mad yeah I would have flipped the table she was really like asking for it like yeah And so then watching her act with Joe, I was like, this is a woman who's, you know, smart going to school to be, I think, a lawyer and whatever. She's in college or maybe she's graduated at this point. But she was raised by Teresa and Joe and she's reactionary and she has this idea of like family loyalty. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. It just I don't know that I have like articulate things to say other than like the idea of her disrespecting her uncle for disrespecting her father like when her mom and her uncle are aligned like Teresa knows that Joe's defending her and appreciates that but then is like watching her daughter disrespect her brother Mm. on television it all just feels like a snake eating its tail it's like well you all signed up for the show so to me it felt gross and the only reason she came back in to talk to him was because a producer told her to and I was like actually really into Joe and Melissa in the episode because I felt like 
Joe was really mad, but I felt like it was like watching to me. It was like watching like my, like a real, like old Italian man be really mad, but being like in an argument with like a, a young woman or a girl in the family and being like, he was like red and like holding himself in because he couldn't be explosive Joe because it's his niece and he's, you know, it's his family. And then Melissa coming and being like, Joe, she doesn't mean it. She just, she's whatever. Like the way that Melissa de-escalated the situation to yes. me was like, was seeing D- Melissa in a different way than we often don't get to see her, which is like getting to see her in a maternal way. I think that Teresa is so often is seen as the mama bear of Jersey. And I think mm-hmm. seeing Melissa get to, I just feel like there's so much behind that family that we don't know. And I think that Teresa and Joe's relationship seems very close, but like the dynamics are weird. Like the fact that they haven't seen each other for six months. Like I wonder, do they only see each other when filming? Like, are they only, are they show friends? You know, like are Melissa and Teresa just aligned for the show? Teresa and Joe are like, whatever. I love you. This is our job. This is how we make money now, but whatever. We don't have to see each other. Like it all just felt really disconnected from real family. And it felt sad to watch. And I felt disappointed in Gia because I think I had hoped that we like, I know that again, I know that Brianna, Brianna, Brianna is like the gold Mm -hmm. standard, but I just like wanted more of a, a level head. And that's not for me. Like that's, she's entitled to her emotions. It just was like, it was a disappointment to me. And it also felt antithetical to be like, don't disrespect family while I disrespect you. And it was like, okay, he's your elder. He's your uncle. You're calling him by his first name. Again, all arbitrary, stupid rules. But if you're trying to say like, he shouldn't speak on your father, it's like, okay, you're also two. He's your dad. I get it. Like, I get why you would have feelings, but also you, your mom agrees with him. I don't know. I don't know. It just feels also she's, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Talk. (laughs) Um, didn't she call him Zio Joe, though? She was calling him Uncle Joe? Or was she just... I thought she said, she said that at a couple points. Was she just straight Did she up? say Zio? Yeah. I thought she was only said Joe. I had, did not rewatch it, though, so it's possible. <laughs> mm. I mean, the points made about, you know, Tree getting a lot of credit, deservedly so in many ways, but for being the mama bear and watching... Totally. Melissa really actually prove that point at this specific event like being Mm -hmm. like the one to de-escalate the one to actually involve herself but in a way that um attempted to level the playing field and and truly like get the tempers the flare down is a really valuable and astute point um you know the thing with Gia is I think that when it comes to what she said so openly which we haven't actually heard from the kids understandably so because of their ages and the sensitivity of the subject matter but the idea that she was like he gets that he fucked up he he gets that he's like the bad guy in this he understands that he harmed his wife and his family but you need to stop talking about this because we're not being allowed to move on like my siblings are upset at you And it's like a two-parter for me because one is I think she's able to express frustration and anger at Joe because he is seen as safe. Like they may not may or may not be able to have open and honest conversations with their father in that way. They may not want to tarnish the limited amount of time they have to see him IRL, even though it would I, I would think be such a benefit. But I understand why not. There's that to me. And then there's also just the idea that like 
when it comes to maternal roles, Gia's played that part with her family and with her siblings. I do think that there is anger that she feels about this situation coupled with the safety. I think that she feels in genuinely being angry with Joe. I think she knows that he's not going to cross the kinds of lines that she's seen be crossed before, I think. And I think her siblings are pissed because, and she's pissed about the situation, the place that they were put in, the fact that they can't move on from it. And if Joe is the one being asked the question in the public eye, a lot of that rage that could be directed another way, not just at Joe, but at Tree too, they're directing at their uncle. There's like something else going on here. And I don't think it's a, I think that this is a like legit, they see each other a lot. At least they did when, you know, the tree and Joe's parents were still alive. Like, I think that that's why when she kept saying six months, that meant so much because it's so antithetical to how they like to see each other outside of the time in which there was an enormous longstanding divide, you know? Yeah, but I mean, that divide now has been going on for years, you know, like the the divide since the parents, you know, since mm-hmm. the mother passed. And and I think that like, yeah, I, I don't disagree that she feels like she can be safe. It's a safe place to argue with her uncle. But Joe, her father, Joe Giudice, you know, was like doing like swipe up stories about Joe and Melissa like a year ago. a great ago. point. A great point. And so I think the idea that we're just going to keep going back and forth and Joe and Melissa need to keep eating shit out of respect for their nieces is kind of ridiculous. And I think that, you know, they, that is like what I find frustrating is that like, I wish they all would be Gabriella and just be like, I'm good. I don't need to be on the show. <laughs> because I feel like watching Gia be so angry like I think Teresa can be very angry rather than just being like, this is going to be like my dad's doing shit too. And I can be mad at him, but like, like we don't get to see her anger at her dad because he's not on the show with them, you know, right. or not anymore. Um, I don't know. So it just felt, it felt like, well, you just said it in such an articulate way that I like danced around forever, but like the dis, the misplaced anger directed at Joe is like not was not for me was really hard to watch because Mm -hmm. it just felt like she's yelling about being disrespected and I feel like we're gonna watch more of it with Melania who's like you know oh man it's gonna be tough yeah younger and also was like really in cahoots like really close with Joe Mm -hmm. her father and I just like I don't I don't know I mean I I understand why it's like the story because it's like this is the this is sort of the uh backbone of what jersey is built on is like this fat this family and family in general but it also like it's not fun stuff so it's like getting back to what we were talking about oc in miami it's like this is like heavy and it feels real and it's also like i don't i don't particularly like feeling like i'm watching kids and i know that g is an adult but she's still a young young adult and she's also someone who like has grown up in on television so i'm like really rooting for her to, to like be better than any problematic scenarios that she's been like given you know I want Mm -hmm. her to like rise above it and seeing like her anger I was just like oh like why do you want to do this on camera Mm -hmm. why like what I think it's probably to prove something to her father 
It's to prove to him that she's loyal and defends him, you know, in defending him. And, and that is, I understand. I don't think it's noble and I don't think it's mature and I don't, you know, she's, yeah, again, she's entitled to do whatever she wants, but it all just felt gross, especially because it'd be one thing if Teresa was like really like Joe, stop bringing up Joe, you know, like to her brother, like stop doing this. Like it's upsetting me. It's upsetting the girls. Like just, we got to like put it to bed. But Teresa's like, I know Joe's defending me, and I get it. He did take me away from my parents. But then the daughters want to argue, and I'm like, well, you guys don't have the whatever you hold in Jersey, nothing. And I don't, I don't want to watch kids argue with their uncle. It feels sad and dark. So that's, it really shook me, though, because I feel like I grew up in a very traditional Italian Catholic, Italian Catholic household and with a family, and, like, I— I don't know. I don't believe like I just like I don't believe we should trust and and respect people because they are elders or because they're our family by any means. I don't believe in any of that shit. It's all arbitrary. But I also wouldn't ever be on camera like fucking cussing my uncle out and calling him by his first name. You know what I mean? I guess so. Maybe a part of me does believe in it. You know what I mean? Like it just was so weird. It was just it just felt so weird. And I was like and then Teresa wasn't doing anything. And I guess she feels like she's in. I'm sure she talked to Gia about it and Gia said she wanted to do it. And Teresa was like, okay, you know, do it. But it was just all weird. And so I don't know, but it made me look at, it made me have more respect, honestly, for Melissa and, and Joe, just like by the way he was able to sort of be like, Gia, I'm allowed to have feelings too. He took my parent, like my mom died, you mm-hmm. know, and like my sister didn't get to say goodbye and all of that, you know, like I felt like he was able to present a different version of himself. And I thought Melissa for sure did. So in that way, I guess I'm appreciative, but it all just felt sad and dark. And like, I'm so sick of fucking Joe Giudice's ghost haunting Ugh. this, but it will be forever. I mean, it's their dad, it's their life. Um, so many good points. When it <laughs> comes to Tree not saying anything, I mean, do you think that's something that she has capacity to do in that moment? She was so quiet. She was like, there's some, you know, there's like actively listening and then there's like Teresa no, she in was the background. Dis- she she was, was disassociating was- on purpose. Like she, cause she didn't want to involve herself mm. because she knew that choosing not to defend Gia would be seen as a betrayal to her daughter and I guess daughters. But she, I think, I think that that speaks volumes because it, to me, that tells me that she agrees with Joe. And that's why I felt mm. particularly frustrating because I felt like, if Teresa was standing up screaming at Joe to stop, then we would have under- then we would I would be heartbroken and I would say, oh my God, this young girl is is defending her mom and to the point where like now she's like adopted her mom's persona and Joe just needs to like stop. Whatever. Whatever. He can fucking hate that guy. He should. But we don't need to talk about it on the show anymore. But the fact that Teresa sat there and bit her tongue and acted like it wasn't happening, you she doesn't have the emotional intelligence to I don't think engage in it in a thoughtful way because I Mm -hmm. think that she would just sputter into emotion Mm -hmm. and I don't know. And I think, I don't think she trusts herself that it wouldn't be to fuck, fuck off to Joe, her ex-husband, you know, like I don't think she feels that loyalty to him, obviously because she's no longer with him, but I think she wants to respect her kids wishes. I just wish that she was like, don't do this. Like you shouldn't. You know, like, let's have a private moment with the family. But I don't know. They've been living their life on camera for so long. I know that that's like, again, that is antithetical to who they are because 
they've been living their life. Like this is their how they make their money. I wonder if the kids are talking to Joe and Melissa again in real time. I think next episode is going to be really tough. I think it's going to be real tough to see Joe and the other kids. Like I wonder where things stand now if they were able to reach because at the end it was like they hugged and made up in the sense that they were like let's move on from this but of course they both know that there's work to do ahead of them so we saw a coming attraction with melania am i crazy right no of course we did that's why i'm asking like it's gonna be a rough go i would think the next episode it's i think it's gonna be tougher because melania is to me much more headstrong in support of her father i can't see melania saying out loud that her father fucked up i could be 100 percent wrong i just don't see it you know who i'll believe if they speak hmm Gabriella. If Gabriella speaks, I'll listen. She did say something in the most recent episode when they were like talking prior. She said something like, I don't remember, like our dad's not here to be able to, I don't know. She did say like one thing and I was like, I love my girl. She always has perspective. (laughs) She has been your girl for years. You have stand her for so long. I know. I can't handle that. She's like a senior in high school and like a babe, (laughs) but I was like in Durham and she was like, 11 and like wanted to go to school and all the other girls were like oh Teresa let's stay home and she was like Teresa was like you want to go to school and Gabriella was like yeah (laughs) (laughs) Gabriella has never been interested in the show and it is charming it's so she's like a genuine cool kid like she really is and she understands how much of this is absolute bullshit and she's been put in a horrifying predicament and situation and just she seems to have an incredibly level head also i just love like um ozzy osborne and uh sharon osborne's oldest daughter who like wasn't me i like i anytime a, a person who's like a part of it's also like um meredith and seth have a, an adult daughter who's adult son adult adult son who like isn't on the show and like right. anytime someone chooses not to be i think i like find it to be very attractive and um, I'm envious of it because there's like no version of the world like where my parents would get a reality show and like I would be like oh I want to be on it like I would never be like this will be bad for the family I shouldn't be on it I don't want to fight with you guys on camera I'd be like amazing amazing thank you what number am I on the call sheet and it's like when I see people who choose to like not be in the limelight to like protect their like sanity and, and um, you know mental health and private life I'm like wow like good on you you are uh, a person who knows yourself and to do that at such a young age, like she instinctively knows this is not for me and God bless Incredible. her for it. God bless her for it. Our little Italian angel over there in Franklin <laughs> Lakes. Listen, you know who is my Italian angel over here in New York City? Um, Sir Jamie and Bellino for today's episode. I wanted to talk to you about Jennifer Aiden. I need to hear your thoughts. I literally must hear them. I know. I'm really struggling. I feel kind of two ways about it. Tell me. Oh, let's do a little mini version that we'll expand on on the page. Well, like I just I do feel like I, I, I'm like sort of uh, I'm uh, synthesizing my thoughts through like watch what happens live polls. But people Andy <laughs> was asking, you know, were people on Mer- uh, Meg- uh, Margaret's side or Jen's side? And it's like, mm-hmm. OK, well, I guess I'm on Jen's side because I feel bad that it happened on camera. And then. People, I guess, were mostly on, like, I don't remember, Margaret said or something. But basically, it's like, if it, you know, if you can dish it, then you need to be able to take it. And obviously, Jen had lots to say about Margaret's, you know, how Margaret met her husband and her previous marriage and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. So, like, of course, I agree with that. Like, you sign up for this show. 
you know, you know where the bodies are buried. You know what's you know that it, there's potential for it all to come out, and it probably will, especially the longer you're on. And also, like, if you poke people, they're eventually going to get you. On the flip side, though, I really struggled with Margaret and the way that she was like, kids are resilient when she was talking about mm. this because she was basically saying like, this is um. Like, this is a fact, you know, it's not like a rumor, like the Evan stuff. This is a fact. And like, and Jen was like, okay, but like my kids are going to have, I have to explain this to my kids now. And she was like, well, kids are resilient. And that was like, well, I don't know that that, like, sure, humans are resilient, but like, it's not really a reason to be doing, like, I don't, I felt like her logic there felt faulty and I felt like she was acting like that was a great defense like okay like uh you know my kids got through what I got through and you know you didn't I guess care about my kids last year when or was it two seasons ago when all of that stuff was coming out about the book um I don't know I mean I think that it feels sad I feel like they worked through it I don't know is Jersey gonna be a sad season no, I don't think so. I mean, I think that there's just some weirdness here that like Jennifer wanted to put up a very, you know, our lives are perfect, yada, yada front. And now we're understanding that there's a lot that's going on that seems to involve not talking about things that specifically hurt her. The fact that she's like, and we moved on and we never talked about it ever again. I thought to myself, ooh, that is not something to be proud of. Like, not to say that she was being proud, and obviously there was a concerted effort to move on from this, and their version of that was never to discuss it. But I just think, like, the wound will fester. When you are betrayed in that way, when you're nine months pregnant or or however old, uh, not however old, however long she was into her pregnancy when the actual cheating happened, let alone when he found when she found out, I just, you don't, there's like deciding to keep things moving for complicated reasons and then there's the like not having this conversation and yet also having a lot of fucking feelings about what a piece of shit cheaters are like I thought that Margaret's response of their resilient was um pretty cold but I also understood it in the sense that she was she refused to take responsibility for the pain that talking about this thing for the pain that that might cause Jennifer kid Jennifer's kids because Jennifer didn't care about Jackie's kids and allegedly continued to try to get information understanding how upset that made Jackie and Evan last season like Jennifer has done things that could backfire in her children as anyone does who is a housewife with kids, like you're, if you are a child, like under, I would say college age and you have a parent on housewives, there is the likelihood that they will have done something that is going to make your life a little bit complicated. And so it's like not to diminish what either of them have done, but like, that's just, that's just the name of the game is that like childhood can be super awkward and, you know, other kids can make the stakes really big and really mean. And that's going to that like could genuinely happen regardless. But I understood why Margaret was like, I'm not going to take ownership of this because you haven't taken ownership of so much else. 
that I'm not going to sort of fall for this is what I felt. I, I was cold. It was cold and absolutely insensitive, but it's also like, Jennifer, my God, like, how do we figure out how, how you can get through this? Because it is so wildly hypocritical. It just is. There's reasons. Like, I, I get why she would feel a certain way about wanting to prove that someone else was stepping out because she wants to take control of a situation involving infidelity, especially if she didn't feel like she had any. And I get her wanting to be very open and very vocal and incredibly critical of Margaret and Margaret's mother, which is in some ways as fucked up as a child, even though you're a grown ass adult, Mm -hmm. you can handle yourself, but it's still really awful. I get the reasons behind it, but it is also just incredibly hypocritical. Like, you can't get past that. I just can't get past it. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, Can we just talk about for a second how it was iconic, though, when... I don't know what Margaret said, like his secretary and Jen was like, okay, it was a fucking pharmaceutical rep. Get your fucking information right, you idiot. And I was into that. I thought it was like, I was like, oh, I would wear that on a t-shirt. It was hilarious. It was like, I don't know that it was meant to be funny, but it it, it got me. Um, I loved it. I thought it was one of the best line readings of the season because Margaret said office manager and she was like pharmaceutical rep. And then word on the street is that there may have also been an office manager. So <laughs> I don't know. I was like, it doesn't take away from the power of that line. But like everyone check the LinkedIn's for office managers for a plastic surgeon who doesn't do faces, but does everything else. Oh, my um, gosh. Also that. that. So bad. How, I don't know how bad. your husband it's is a plastic bad. surgeon and that happens because he said you were a high maintenance patient. I we I did a Patreon Zoom Kiki last this past weekend and topic of conversation we went in we went 40 minutes over the event time because I literally couldn't stop talking we were all talking about all things pertaining plastic surgery and shout out to the AG in attendance who is also a physician who was like guiding us through the process and like what it means to get surgery in Turkey and did you know that Going to Turkey to get plastic surgery, it can be as expensive as in the United States. I did not know that. I mean, I guess the Instagram coupon helped. I mean, and look how that panned out. Jennifer tagging the surgeon and being like, he's bad. What? I did not ex- I did not have that on my bingo card for 2020. Oh, I didn't know that that happened. Wow. Yeah, I just wonder, like, it does Bill, like, literally not two faces? Because can you imagine booking a rhinoplasty with this guy after his wife is like, I don't trust him to do it? Like, how's that going to work for business? That's T, actually. Good point. Like, why didn't know. he think about the fact that she would be looking so, I mean, maybe he thought it wouldn't be such a bad job. Right. Like, maybe he thought that it wouldn't be something that she would have to be, it would be a plot point that people would be like, is your nose new? Because, <laughs> like, maybe he thought it would be more nuanced but it's um, a, it's a significant f- different face which makes me sad i mean i would know as long as she's happy but it always is like she's dark not and- happy she says she regrets it <laughs> but she, like when I you think look- she's gonna have to get it fixed i, I was obs- when i when heidi montag got all of her work done i was mm. obsessed with it because i was just like there's something when you see someone that you used to recognize as someone like looking very different it's like takes you like what are they is it the same person and so i was like Jen looks really different. I mean, the thing is, it's like you can't end it with like the at least she's, you know, because it she 
she does not like her. And the worst part is she's had to like respond in comments for Bravo fan pages being like, just for the record, I like don't like the way I look right now, which is just really depressing that so many people are talking about it that she feel like she, she feels like she has to respond. And I like get it. I like get her doing that. I just feel really bad because it's your, you know, I'm going through this road of getting a fucking needing to get a septal rhinoplasty because of a fall last year. And it is my, I hate to say it, but it, her, her nose job is my worst case scenario, which is taking out all the character. Leah had a nose job that's like hardly noticeable. Like it's so gradual, you know? Yeah. Lots of people have had good ones. Yeah. Do you think that Lisa yeah. in Miami, do you think whatever his name is, did all of her work, her work? Uh, Lenny, I don't Lenny, know. I think he, I think he's probably told her he's unavailable because he hates her so much. Like the my favorite thing about Miami is watching Lenny hate his wife. Is that I don't know. I know that's terrible, but it's like it's so obvious that he hates her, and she's like, I'm so into it. I I'm baffled that. by them, their relationship. I also thought she was like 49, and I don't want to age shame her. I just was like, she's literally like 33, and I was <laughs> like, wait, so much work. She's gotten. It's the. It's the. I don't know anything about plastic surgery, and I'm very pro. Do whatever you want all totally. the time. But fillers, because we've seen so many poor examples of fillers on Housewives, I don't think they're, I, I, I don't know anything about them. I don't understand the difference. 2022 is the year of not learning. I don't want it explained to me. I would rather stay dumb. But it just doesn't seem like a great idea. Everybody comes out of it looking worse than they did before. Uh, once I figured out that so I was watching Miami like two weeks ago and I just like went down this rabbit hole of ages and I figured out that Larsa has like 10 plus years on Lisa. And I was like, wait. Yeah. yeah. And then I was, I just assumed that they were, I figured if anything, Larsa was younger. And now I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Larsa's like almost 50 and looks better. I mean, I don't know if it's better. It's just Lisa looks like no age. It's like, Morgan Fairchild, when we were young, Morgan Fairchild mm. was Chandler's mom on Friends. And mm -hmm. I remember thinking, like, she was, like, an, I thought she was, like, a hot old lady who had a lot of plastic surgery. But now she's, like, my mom's real, my mo real mom's age. And I'm, like, oh, so you weren't really old then. You were, like, mm. regular middle age, but, like, looked like no age. And I feel like that, like, Lisa just looks like she could be 30 or she could be 50. But, like, who's counting? <laughs> Me. I am. I'm looking. <laughs> Well, listen, we're going to have to transition this to the Patreon because I actually can think of a couple comparisons within just like that when it comes to the conversation around looking different on television and otherwise through the lens of women-based storytelling. So I'm excited for that, guys. You can listen to that episode, which will be up this week on the Andy Scrolls Patreon, the number one way to support the podcast. $2 a month gets you my love and sass. $5 a month gets you two bonus episodes. $4. Four, no, not $4. $10. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Four plus six, four plus six dollars gets you four bonus episodes, invites to special events like the Zoom Key Key that we just had for Galadine's Day. And then there's a premium tier uh, to record an app or just chat with me um, uh, over Zoom, your choice for, you know, an hour uh, that called the People's People's Couch. And you can go to patreon.com slash Andy's Girls for more on that. Damien Bellino, tell the people where to follow you online. 
How to Listen to You Might Know Her From. A recent guest who people can listen to before they listen to our Patreon episode as a, as a study guide, a master's class in podcastery with a cast member from And Just Like That. Tell us everything. You can find me on all the things, Instagram, Twitter, and such, at Damien Bellino. It's Damien with an A. And you can listen to my podcast, You Might Know Her From, um, wherever you're listening to this podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the things. And our most recent episode was with Karen Pittman, who you might know from, and just like that, playing Professor Naya, who Mm -hmm. um, has some really interesting scenes with Miranda. Um, So check that out. And um, and then, yeah, we're going to do a Patreon episode and talk about um, the And Just Like That finale or the whole season. I don't know. I have so many things to talk about. I need to rewatch the finale before we record. Oh, good point. I'm going to do the same. A verbal, a verbal friendship contract a la Cynthia and um, uh, Nini, Linithia. Uh, guys, follow me on social at Dame Galley on Instagram. Damien Bellino, my God, what a wild and delightful and thoughtful episode this was. Thanks for letting me work through all of my um, Italian-American trauma and um, all of my emotions. Thanks for letting me be Jewish again every day of my <laughs> life. Shout out Jill Zaren. Jill, I see you. Shalom. It means hello. Welcome back to New York. Goodbye until tomorrow when you continue filming New York. And um, peace to everybody listening, guys. That's your word of the day. On that note, you know, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.